We're blessed at this church. Amen? Wow. Okay. We sang about it. We talked about it. Now we can hear you know it's about it. God is good. God is good. I am declaring it to you today, and it's not coming from just me. You're going to see why God is good. That's a fact, and that's a truth. There's a popular phrase that's been in the, the Christian culture in recent years, and I want you guys to be a part of this today. I want you to get, not just for the novelty of it, but because of internalizing this and pressing into this and, and speaking it into your own life and to those around you, this idea that God is good. But this saying goes like this. You've heard it. God is good all the time. Exactly. That's how it works. So we're going to do it one more time. I'll say the first part, and you say the second part. And I'm just going to warn you, I need to hear you. Okay? Not for me, not for the novelty of it. Listen to this message today. God is good all the time. this talk today, I'm going to give you scriptural truth, not platitudes or bumper stickers. I'm going to give you scriptural truth that God is a good God. There's a lot of stuff, man, that you could just jot these down and read them later. We'll start here. Psalms 119, verse 68 says this, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Teach me the things I need to know. Teach me what's right and what's wrong. Teach me the way to walk in obedience with you. Teach me the way to be like you. Teach me the rules and the regulations, the things I need to know. God, teach me your statutes because you are good and you do good. So, God is good all the time. Right, there's four little points I'm going to give you. First one is this. God, this is a declaration. This is something I want you to just follow along here. God is fundamentally and unequivocally good. That means that his foundation, the fundamentals, the basics, the, the core, he is good. And he is unequivocally good. He is good without debate, without conversation. There's no argument about it. God is good. He's fundamentally good, and he's unequivocally good. It's his nature to be good. It is impossible, in fact, for God to be anything but good. That is the immutable nature of God. All of his works are good. His procedures, his behaviors, his appointments, his decisions, his arrangements, um, dealings, everything that God does and is involved in is good. Even in those times when we don't understand it. There was a time like that yesterday in a synagogue in San Diego. I don't understand that. I can't explain that to you. I can't explain what happened last Easter where hundreds of people were killed simply because they're Christians. In Sri Lanka, I, can't, I, I, I don't understand that. I don't know why it happened, but we can be sure of this. We can be certain of this. That ultimately, those things will turn out for good because God is good. Romans 8.28, we know. I don't think I have a slide for that. I didn't know I was going to even mention that. But, it, but look, I mean, all 
things. We know, it says, actually, it says, we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, that doesn't mean called as a pastor or a missionary. That means called according to That means those who are willing to believe in his name, who are willing to follow him, who have accepted them, him into their lives, and who, who are going to follow him and walk with him and learn from him and live like him. All things, folks, work together for good. So even those things we don't understand. There's four uh, passages or chapters in, or psalms, I call them, that have the very first verse says something that's basically the same, but it's just a little bit different. In the very first verse, the psalmist writes it like this, Psalms 106.1. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is his faithful love endures forever. Psalms 107.1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalms 118.1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is, for his loving kindness endures forever. And I love this. Psalms 136.1 in the Amplified Version. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is, for his loving kindness, for his graciousness, for his mercy, for his compassion, endures forever. See, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And see, he's fundamentally good, he's unequivocally good, and God is eternally good. That means that God can't ever change. He was good yesterday and in the past. He's good today, oh, April 28, 2019, and he'll be good tomorrow and next year and the year after as long as he decides to leave us here on this earth. He's good. He's eternally good. See, God's nature will never change. I love this. Malachi 3, 6 is the Amplified Version too. For I am the Lord. God is declaring this, his word. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Is anybody unclear about that? He made it pretty clear, right? I'm the Lord. I do not change. End of story. But And the Amplified says, but remain faithful to my covenant with you. How many people have ever had a promise from God, from God that he's made to you? Well, let me tell you, if he's made it to you, he will fulfill it. Because he's faithful. I can testify to that in my own life and people that I know many, many times over testify to that. There are also promises, covenants that he's made with us that don't have anything to do with an individual covenant. He's made a covenant with us that if you accept him, believe it in your heart and declare it with your mouth that the power of God raised Jesus from the dead, you are saved. That's a covenant. That's a promise. That's not not just something that's out there that maybe or may not happen. That is a promise. That's a covenant. And there's many of them in the Scripture. We can count on God always being good. For him to stop being good, it would his nature and his character would have to change. And he doesn't. He can't. God is immutable. The unchanging in every way, shape, and form. And as he said there, I am the Lord, I do not change. So he's fundamentally good. He's unequivocally good. His goodness is eternal. And God is expressing. His goodness to us. He's 
expressing it to us right now. Even if you're not sure of it and don't know that, he's expressing his goodness now. Four times in Psalm 107, in, in the 107th Psalm, we find these words, they're, they're all the same in this one Psalm about the goodness of God that he is expressing, that God is expressing to the world around us, to, to us, to the world, to all of mankind, to all of humanity. And it's this. These are the verses that it's in 8, 15, 21, 31, Psalms 107. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His, for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. That we would praise Him for His goodness and the works that He has done for us. See, God is kind. He's good and He's kind and He gives us wisdom. He gives us direction. He gives us discernment. He, he gives us provision. God gives us life itself. The fact that you're living, breathing, and here today, that's God. That's the goodness of God. He's expressing it. You, each and every one of you, and, and I, all of us today, are the recipients of the goodness of God. Are you aware of that? I mean, do you, have you ever I know this is seeming like, well, this is just okay, God's good, I get it. No. Are you aware of that? That you are receiving the benefit of the goodness of God every step you take, every breath you take. Are you aware of that? There's such truth in that. So, what do we say? God is good all the time. All the time God is good. His goodness is eternal. It's fundamental. It's unequivocal. It's expressed to us. And it's not only just expressed in terms of what is coming toward us, it's demonstrated to us. God demonstrates. He shows us. There are things that are tangible that will demonstrate His goodness. Romans 2.4 says this, and this is the New King James Version that it says, it, it is, or, or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Wow! See, God is so good, it is he, he, is, he is expressing His big desire and demonstrating us to us that He wants to forgive our sin. Where would we be without it? If those of you maybe in here today that aren't sure about that, I'm telling you, there's a better place to be in the forgiveness of God because of His goodness. He demonstrates it. The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 86, 5. It's, Oh Lord, You are so good, so ready to forgive. Say forgive. So ready to forgive. So full of unfailing love for all. Not some. Not who He chooses. Not who had the right connections or, or in the right spot or drive the right car or live in the right neighborhood. No, for all, for all who ask for your help. God is ready to forgive any person who is willing to admit this is the big problem. It's not Him. It's for us that are willing to admit and confess that we're a sinner. Are you willing to admit that today? I am. I'm a sinner. Say it. I'm a sinner. Get the words out of your mouth, because you are. You're not, you're not saying it's not going to change anything. <laughs> that's, that's scriptural, too. 
for sinners. But any person who's willing to do that and accept what Jesus Christ did at the cross of Calvary by shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sin, for the atonement of all of the things, being the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God, anybody who's willing to accept it, he's there for you. That's a good God. The goodness of God is expressed and is demonstrated thus. And so... In, in addition to that, that component of just what Jesus did at the cross and through the resurrection, God's goodness is clearly shown to us, I believe, clearly shown to us, and so much in my life, where he is dispensing grace to us on a day-by-day basis. See, that's what we need to live in this world. We're not, grace is not just something that happened at the cross and in the resurrection. That was the grace of God. It was. Mercy of God. Grace of God. That's true. But grace is dispensed into our lives every single day of our lives. God has a unique ability, and only He can do this because He's the one that supplies the grace, and that supply never runs dry, never ends. He is able to give us the amount of grace we need at the time we need it to deal with whatever situation that we have. That's why I corrected Paul and let him know, look, my grace is sufficient for you. I'll take care of all of this by putting my grace into places where it's needed, when it's needed, in the amount it's needed. And there's no limit, there's no end to the supply of grace. That's what we need to live in this world. He's continuously giving that to you and I, even sometimes when we don't recognize it. Hebrews 4.16, I love this. One of my favorite verses, although I've got so many favorites. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find, we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. See, that's the grace I'm talking about that's day by day, week by week, month by month in our lives. He's dispensing that grace to us. He's giving it to us as we need it. The ESV says to, that we will find grace to help in time of need. How many people have found themselves in a place where they need something from God? I do all the time. And I know that he will dispense that grace to me at the right time in the right way. Am I right, Terry? Now, it may not happen in the time that we want it to happen, but that grace is there at the right time, in the right amount, in the right circumstance. Is that true? See, I'm not saying is that true because I'm saying it because the Scripture says it, but if the Scripture says it ought to be enough. I'm telling you right now, there's a man sitting right there that testified to the whole thing last uh, a week ago Wednesday. In his life, the grace of God never left him, even though there were times he was discouraged, even though there were times that it was difficult. And if you haven't heard that testimony, go to our website, Wednesday Night Services. Go look up the one with Terry Guthrie. Listen to it. It will bless you. It will make you look at things differently. Because this is not just some words or things somebody's standing up here talking about. This is what God does. He dispenses grace as we need it, when we need it, in the amount we need it. Because why? He's good. I think about the times I've needed strength in my life, man, that to deal with stuff that I didn't know how I was going to deal with it, and the grace of God showed up. I'm telling you. There are times that I've needed wisdom. I've had important decisions, things that I was... I was all bound up about it, didn't know what to do. And then I asked God, I, I, I said, I'm, I'm just going to trust you. Uh, I don't know. 
God on my own. No, 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 no. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And God shows up with his grace. Helps me with that. He's given me that wisdom. He's given me discernment, too. It's a little different than wisdom. He's given me discernment at times in my life to know, well, well, this is not the right way to go. And in fact, and I could tell that story at some other time, I don't have time today. He, he gave me that discernment that avoided a huge potential failure that would have occurred had I have not gotten that, that. But that discernment that he gives was grace at the right time and the amount I needed it. He's given me the ability because of his grace and his goodness to do things that I never could have done on my own. Under my own power, my own ability. You want to know what one of them is? What I'm doing right now. Under me doing this, man, forget it. God, He's good. He can use people who want to be used. He can do things if you allow Him to do it. And for every question that you have, every problem that needs a solution... There is grace because of the goodness of God ready to meet you at that problem, at that question, at that answer, where you need wisdom, where you need strength, where your faith is challenged. That grace is there. So, Robert, could you come as we we close? So let me just say this again. God is good all the time. Again, all the time God's good. It's not a bumper sticker. Let me ask you this. If I could, let me put it this way. I'm excuse. Think about who do you think God is good to? I'm so, man, all right. Exactly. God is good to everyone, even those who despise him. Hello? You know why I know that? It's in the scripture. Psalm 145.9. Look at this. Look at this. The Lord is good to all. Again, all. And His mercy is over all that He has made. Some translations say His mercy covers all of His creation. It means everything He's done below, here, above, everything that He created, which is everything, all things through Him, made by Him, for Him, all of that creation, He loves it. His goodness covers it. His his mercy is over it. His grace is over it. To all. Look at this. Luke 6.35. This is something that I really struggled with for a long time. I want you to look at this. He is kind, and that means he is good. His goodness is there to the ungrateful and the evil. Does that make any sense to you? No, and here's why. Because we're human beings and he's God. See, even ungrateful, and I've seen some ungrateful believers. I've seen people where God has pulled, literally pulled them out of a desperate situation put them out and fix the whole situation, and then the next thing you know, they fall away again. I'm not being judgmental or critical. I'm saying it's happened. And to me, I consider that to be ungrateful. And there's other things you could do that could be categorized as ungrateful. But even if you're ungrateful, how many like to do something? What if you went and gave somebody and washed their car or did something great and they were just like, see you later? That'd be ungrateful, right? <laughs> But God supersedes that. He's kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. That means, whether you won't hear this or not, that means that He is going, His goodness reaches out 
to the people that shot the synagogue up yesterday. That's evil, folks. A plain and simple full stop. So is what happened in Sri Lanka. But his goodness extends and it reaches out even to the evil. I'm, I'm being, I'm, maybe it's just me. That, that, that's something hard for me to get my arms around. But, it, but it's right there. And then it's also Matthew writes about it in chapter 5. It says, for he gives sunlight. We've got to have sunlight for our food to grow, for our, for our skin, for everything. We, we have to have sunlight to live. That's what Matthew's saying. He, he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. How cool is that? How many people in here are willing to do that with people around them? I'm willing to extend my goodness to the evil and to the not so good or to the ungrateful or to the people that are wronging me. The only way you can do that, I believe, the only way is God working through you. God's grace, His goodness coming through you, coming in the right time and the right place. And He sends rain. Rain is something we also need. We have to have water to live. Plants and food have to have water to grow. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. He sends rain, life-giving rain, to those who are righteous and unrighteous, who are godly and ungodly, who are evil and good. He doesn't respect persons. God ever stop being good? No. It's not his nature. To stop being good, his nature would have to change. He can't do that because he is immutable. His characteristics don't change. Yesterday, today, and forever, he's the same. So who does God invite to experience this goodness? And I want to tell you who that is. It's you. It's you. It's every one of you sitting here today. It's me. Everyone here today is invited to experience God's goodness. Everyone. Psalm 34, 8. It's what we ran. Some of you may not have seen it at the beginning. We'll put it on Facebook today. It's a video you should look at. Oh, taste and see. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord our God is. How blessed. How fortunate. How prosperous. How favored by God is the man or the woman who takes refuge in Him, who seeks shelter in Him, who finds their answers in Him, who finds security in Him, who puts their faith and confidence in Him. You want to be prosperous? You want to be favored by God? You want to be fortunate? You want to be blessed? Put your faith and your confidence. Take refuge. Take shelter. Put your head on his shoulder and rest in his goodness. Bask in the goodness of God. Let it just, just pour over you. This taste and see. You know, I always talk about that. Taste and see. Think about that. What the psalmist is saying is that he wants you to just come and taste a little bit. Taste. It's like if you went to a restaurant or something, they said, well, do, hey, I, okay, or you ever been to Publix? Anybody been to Publix and seen those people when they hand out the food? They're giving you what? A taste. Why? Because they want you to experience something. And then maybe you'll want more of it. You see, it's the same thing. Taste and see. Just 
Give it a try, folks. Give it some effort. Put a little bit of, of, your, of your time and your, and your effort behind it. Taste and see that he is good, and you will be blessed, fortunate, prosperous, favored by God. But you know what I'm going to say? In spite of God's goodness towards people, there's many that don't believe in the goodness of God. They just don't believe it at all. And I'm going to tell you this. I don't know this. But I would not be surprised at all if there's some people in this room today that don't, that don't believe what I'm saying. They, they, they don't believe in the goodness of God. Or they may believe in it that God is a God that's good sometimes, but not all the time. I think there's probably more of those potentially. I would be shocked if there's not at least one and maybe more. In here, and I'm not saying this in a critical way. I'm just saying this many people that, man, I think he's good some of the time, but some of the time I just don't know. I don't know if he's good. And see, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that I, I, I think, first of all, it's a, it's a confusion of the enemy, but there's a couple of things. Here's the one main reason I think that people may either not, think that God, not believe that there's a good God or believe that he's good some of the time and not the rest of the time. And that is this. Listen to me. Because they don't know him as their, as, as their Lord and their Savior. If you don't know that, there's no way you think God's good. Or if you do, you think, well, he's good, but I really don't. I don't know. And when I say that he is your Savior, I don't mean that one day you said, I accept Jesus and I've, I've accepted him. And yeah, I've sort of done this and I've done that. That's not what I mean. I mean being your Lord and Savior. I've talked about this before. There's a big difference, guys, between accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, and we all need to do that, and that's essential to make it to, to heaven and to be in eternity with God. It's essential. It's not optional. We have to accept Him as our Savior. But we have to make Him the Lord of our life. We have to make Him the Lord of our finances. We have to make Him the Lord of our family. We have to make Him the Lord of our career. We have to make Him the Lord of everything in our life if we really want to see in its total, in its completeness, in all that it is, the goodness of God. If you have truly made Him your Lord and your Savior, I don't know that there's much way that you couldn't believe that God is a good God and that all the time He's good. Some other times is I think people equate the goodness of God with their personal struggles or their, or their circumstances. Have you ever had that happen? Where I'm going through this, well, God can't be so good. Look what he's making me. Then it's all about you. It's all, I'm living in this little cocoon here, this world. That it's all about my circumstances and what's going on with me. And I can't understand if God's a good guy. Why is he letting this happen? That happens a lot. You don't recognize the value and the purpose of everything that God allows to happen. And I'm not saying it's easy to do that, but you have to recognize that everything that happens, God will take it, use it, and that there is a value and a purpose to it, particularly in the things that we don't understand. Many of you know the verse in Isaiah. I don't have a, thing, a, a slide for this or anything, but your thoughts, my thoughts are not your thoughts, he said to the prophet Isaiah. Neither are my ways your ways. My thoughts are higher than yours. My ways are higher than yours. So here's the bottom line. Get used to it. He's God. We're not. And if we put him in that rightful place, 
If we put him as Lord of our life over everything, we will not only experience that, we won't just see the expression of it, we don't just see it demonstrated to us, we will begin to understand more the value and the purpose of the goodness of God. Last thing I just want to share with you, there's a story about a guy named Payne Stewart. I don't know if you know who he is. He was was a professional golfer. He just won the U.S. Open in 1999 by making a 15-foot putt on the 18th hole to win it. It was a very exciting thing. I remember watching it. And uh, he beat Phil Mickelson that day, who I was actually rooting for. But I was glad that he won it. I, you know, it, he played a wonderful round. And during the whole day, you saw, because they have close-up on hands and things when you play golf, they show, especially when you're putting. And he was wearing this little bracelet. And it became very popular thereafter. It wasn't the only reason it was popular, but it really got very popular. After that. You see it on his arm right there. And that bracelet had four letters on it. W-W-J-D. What would Jesus do? Now, Payne Stewart, in past, was known as being a very egotistical, angry, mean-spirited, vindictive guy. Go look it up and you'll find some stories about it. Just who he was. People were, there were people on tour that were, that were believers, and they were witnessing to him, trying to get him to come to the Lord. And then, 18 months before he won the U.S. Open, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He accepted the Lord, and he, by his words, his life changed from this point to that point. Everything looked different to him. And the next thing you know, everybody around him said he's the nicest player in the locker room. He's the kindest guy. His family was restored. His marriage thrived. Everything, and he said it, in his life was just going unbelievably well because he had turned his life over to Jesus Christ. And then 18 months later, he wins the U.S. Open. And he was so excited about what Jesus had done. He wore that bracelet that his son, his 10-year-old son, had given him. And he wore it that day. Then just a few months later, he was killed in a plane crash. Do you understand that? I don't. I don't understand it, nor can I explain it. But I'm going to tell you this. God used that event to tell the world about Jesus Christ. I'm not saying I understand it. I'm saying what happened as a result of it. He, because this got national, especially in the sports world. It, it was a huge story. People's eyes, the memorial service was just full of people coming in from all over the place. Such a tragedy. He was only 42 years old. And all these great things have been happening to him. And during that memorial service, Paul Azinger, who's another Christian golfer, came up to the, to the uh, memorial service and he made a gospel plea for people to come to know the Lord. And he said to everybody there, you need to, he was very direct about it, you, if you are in this room, you need to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, just like pain did. You need to do that. And he talked about how God's forgiveness is real and it's not something that was in the past, that it's for today. It is available to everyone who's willing to accept it. That's what he said. And so as a result of that tragic event, again, I'm not trying to say I understand it, but as a result of that, many people came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. God took something that we can't understand and shaped it and turned it to good. Why did he do it? Because he is good. God is good. And he's good all the time. And only eternity will know. You, only a time we're in eternity will we know the impact of what all that was. 
And there's many people I say that about all the time, two most recently, who just have gone to be with the Lord. People very close to me that I love very much. Dr. Mitzi Frost and Rick Valier. Those two people, I'm telling you right now, I state this, as I know it as well as I'm standing here right now, that only in eternity will we know the impact of the, in the kingdom of God of what they did with their lives. That's it. That's an absolute truth. There's no way to know. Because God is down here. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. He's got this under control. And when it seems like things are bad, that's why he's decided that I'm going to be good to the ungrateful and the evil. That's why I'm going to be good and send my rain down on the just and the unjust. Because I'm a good God. I'm just a good God. That's my nature. That's my character. That's what God is. So let me tell you, God loves you today. Every single person in here, He loves you today. There's no question about it. And He's made a way because He loves you to know Him. To know Him in a way that, even if you're a believer and if you're a Christ follower today, to know Him in a deeper way than you may know Him today. And, and, and I would say that if the, the, the only way only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ, His Son. Because of what He did at Calvary, because of God's power resurrecting Him from the dead. That's the only way to have a relationship. And I just want to tell you today as I close this, this talk and this message that, that today God is willing and able to demonstrate, to express, and to put the goodness of His nature and His character into your life. And if you've not either accepted Jesus as your Savior, or if you've maybe not made Him the Lord of your life, or if you just have some question about any of that, you can resolve that today. Would you stand with me, please, as we close this service today?